the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The fire of your coming, the glory of your presence, will shake the earth and every heart will know. You are Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel. Shalom and welcome to Heart of Messiah Radio Broadcast. My name is Steve Weiler and I'm the lead rabbi of Sharesh David Messianic Synagogues. Currently we're serving in Wesley Chapel, St. Pete, South Bay near Riverview and Tampa. We welcome all visitors as we desire to see those who are Jewish and not Jewish worshiping together in unity. We're honored to serve the listening audience of AM 570 WTBN and 910 WTWD, Tampa Bay's Faith Talk. Shalom. Well, it's been an interesting week. How are we to react to the killing of George Floyd? How are we to react to the protesters? And how are we to react to the violence and the looting? Let's answer these questions after prayer. Avinu Malkenu, our Father, our King. Lord, even during these difficult times, I'm blessed because you are Lord and you are sovereign. And Lord, even as horrifying as all of this is, you're going to use it for your kingdom, for good. And so I pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes to see what you are trying to tell us and how we are to react to the things that we are currently going through. Lord, we just pray for the power of your spirit to fall upon us, to give us revelation and understanding and and that you would receive the glory. So, Father, we pray the same for this radio broadcast, that it would touch heart and that it would bless people. And I pray all of this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Well, by faith this week, we re-upped our commitment to this radio broadcast for another year. Uh, this past year, we've finished in the red, so your gift uh, didn't equal our cause. I pray that if this radio program ministers to you, you'll consider a monthly pledge or a one-time gift. Call Karen at 813-835. I'm sorry, 813-831-5673. That's our office. Or go to our website, heartofmessiah.org. I appreciate your prayerful and financial involvement. And uh, all our congregations pretty much are open, and so please come visit. Look at our Sharesh David website for times and locations. We'd love to see you. Bring your Jewish friends with you. Yes, amen. So here we go. I, I saw the following on Facebook written by a really strong believer who's a millennial from another city, and I won't mention their name. And this is a wonderful person, and we will start with 
her post, it's a woman, uh, because it is expressing the hearts of many people. And so she posts this, what if it were me? What if it were me in that video where a police officer was putting his knee on my neck? What if it were me? Not just a generic me, but me, your friend, your fellow choir member, your co-worker, your fellow ministry leader, your fellow congregational worshiper, your friend. It's easy to dismiss the acts of rioters when it's not someone you know or care about. It's easy to talk about how much we've, been pro we've progressed as a society. It's easier to talk about the injustices you and your ethnicity face. But let me ask you something. If it were me, would you riot? Would you demand justice? Would you do all uh, you could to comfort my mom and my family? Would you make sure this didn't happen to anyone ever again? Would you be angry enough, take to the streets, go to the White House, go to the powers that be, and demand justice? Bad things happen when good people say nothing. And if you're wondering why are people so angry, ask yourself, what if it were your best friend? I hope that if you call yourself my friend, that you would be angry. I'm asking all of you, why are uh, uh, of you who are not uh, sure what role you play here to please speak up for the black community that has been screaming for justice since the first Africans were brought here in chains. Do not be silent. So that was the post. And boy, I could go so many different directions on this. But um, it's an important post, I think, as many of the posts were, and we should not ignore them. And uh, though I didn't respond to that post in particular, uh, I do want to use it as a jumping off point because it asks what I call an unintended question that we have to answer every day of our lives. If we choose not to ask this question, we will automatically defer to the wrong answer. So what's the question, right? <laughs> Hope you're wondering. Okay, the question is, is God first in your life? That's the question. Is God first in your life? Is God going to be first in your life today and every day? If God is not first, then we, we're making ourselves first, right? For someone who believes in Yeshua, that's the wrong answer, by the way. <laughs> I then uh, am saying that if I give that answer, that my emotions and my feelings are first. Here we have some key questions in that post of a very emotionally charged issue. And I think if you put God first, you will be answer, able to answer all of these questions relatively easily. But there are some questions that are more difficult. So what if it were me? That's a reasonable question. Think of the closest person to you right now and picture them dying the way George Floyd died. A, a policeman's knee on their throat until they could breathe. Couldn't breathe, yeah. And then you, your close relative or friend saying, I can't breathe, and the policeman showing no mercy. Then picture that there has been a history of unlawful behavior against you and others because they were Afro-American or because they're Jewish or Latino or any other minority group. The question would be, are you angry? Well, obviously, of course we're angry. I'm angry right now. <laughs> it just is insane to see that, that video and not feel anger. But 
God has to be first in our, in our lives, and we have to answer these questions in terms of God's Word and what He speaks into our hearts. So would you riot? Of course not. Why would I want to hurt other people because I'm angry, especially innocent people, especially people who are the people who we're trying to, to um, not you know, to, to, to say we can't be anti, uh, uh, show discrimination like that. And so many of them are the ones getting hurt. This makes no sense. So would we condone others rioting? Of course not. Would you demand justice? Absolutely. Look, Micah 6.8 says, and it's talking about God speaking, God has told you humanity what is good, and what Adonai is seeking from you, only to practice justice, to love mercy, sometimes said in this scripture, kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So, yeah, of course we want justice. That's, uh, you know, so would you comfort the family? Of course, absolutely. That's our job as believers to comfort people. And would you make sure this never happened to anyone else again? Well, yeah, if I knew how, I'd be happy to do that. But uh, I think that the problem with ranting about things like this is that it doesn't lead to a solution. And I'm solution-based, and I want to see solutions. Ask the question in a different way. And, and that would make me happier. Would you, here's the question, would you sacrifice your time and abilities and so something in, so that something like this might not happen again? In other words, are you going to be part of the solution? Would you be angry enough, here's the other question, uh, to take to the streets, go to the White House, go to the powers that be and demand justice? Sure. But I'm not sure that will be doing anything. But I've been in some marches in Washington, D.C., the, the Million Man March and others. And I've been involved in protesting. So if you're really upset about what's going on in our country, well, I can't see you, but I'd say raise your hands, right? But that's a good point of contact. Are you upset enough to sacrifice your time and give real effort to the solution? Our problem is that we're so busy in our life, uh, we don't have time to do anything except talk. And uh, talking isn't going to necessarily solve the problem if it's ranting. So will you pray for justice, compassion, and unity? Will you pray for God to tell you what to do? So I asked this problem uh, to somebody in the office here. I said, what would you do to solve the problem? And immediately came the response, the police should decompress. After difficult, tense situations, police should be forced to sit at a desk and chill before going back out there. Why, that made perfect sense to me. And then they also said that there should be more psychoanalysis done before and they hire police and while they are serving as police. And I think that's a great example of real answers to this problem. 
it seems like this person is taking the problem very seriously and not just here to rant and complain. So what I'm suggesting, though, is that the answer to this problem and really so many other problems is we have to make God first. We have to spend time with God. We have to listen to his voice. We have to figure out if it was God that you heard as you listened to his voice. And you do that by checking that it works with scripture. And then I feel that it's often helpful, especially on big things, to speak to one of your spiritual friends you trust and see if they would confirm what God is telling you. And you want to do what God desires. What does God want to have happen out of this tragedy? I, I mean, that's the question to ask God. And more importantly, God, tell me what you want me to do. Finally, um, and, and so these are five different things that I think, how do you put God first? The fifth thing is to be a godly example. If you're going to do something representing God, make sure that your motives, your thoughts, your actions, and your speech represent the God that you are saying you serve. So five things. Spend time with God. Listen for his voice. Figure out if it's really God's voice. That's three. Four, do what God desires. And five, be a godly example. When Peter stepped out of the boat, he was not ready to serve the Lord, right? He wasn't ready to say God first. I mean, he might have said it, but he wasn't ready, really. He went through some experiences, though. I mean, like Yeshua keeping him above water when he stepped out of the boat. He was uh, also, though, not able to put Yeshua above his fears later on, so he failed to acknowledge Yeshua three times. And he was waiting in prayer with others. Finally, God's Spirit fell upon him. And finally, Peter was ready to deliver the message that God placed in his heart in Acts 2. But it, it was, a, and, and you know, at that time, 3,000 Jewish people came to know Yeshua. But the, the issue here is that he was not ready until God did some works in his heart. And we have to make sure that we're ready by God's standards to do what God wants and to say what God wants. And, and so by putting God first, we can be successful for God's kingdom. And that's really what I believe. I, I believe that this tragedy and this, the awful things that have happened should be pushing us to become actively involved in solving the problems of our culture, whether it's this problem or a different problem. Now, there are other people in Scripture that, I, I mean, look, for instance, Daniel, before he spoke the amazing prophecy, uh, when would Yeshua come, uh, his life was filled with examples of godliness and a strong relationship with God.
you know, and, and that happened, by the way, in um, Daniel 9. But yet, before receiving that prophecy, Daniel repented for himself and his people. And I believe this is what God told him to do, and he was sensitive to the Spirit. And, and so it got him ready for one of the most amazing prophecies in all of Scripture. Right? Listen to a little. I mean, Daniel was obedient. And so he said in Daniel 9 3, So I set my face to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to Adonai my God and confessed, saying, O oh Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and mercy with those who love him and keep his mitzvot, we have sinned. We have committed iniquity. We have acted wickedly. We have rebelled. We have turned away from your mitzvot, your good deeds, your commandments, and, and from your rulings. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our leaders, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. You, Lord, are righteous, but shame covers our face to this day, the people of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel near and far in all the countries where you have banished them because they behaved unfaithfully toward you. So this is Daniel's heart. This is God first. This is what it means to put God first. He, he knows what the heart of God is looking for. Maybe before we make decisions, we too should repent for ourselves and for those in our sphere of influence. But even Yeshua went throughout the land and before he did that, before he healed people and, and before he performed amazing miracles, he humbled himself by being immersed by John in Matthew 3.16. After being immersed, Yeshua rose up out of the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Ruach Elohim, the Holy Spirit, descending like a dove and coming upon him. And behold, a voice from the heavens said, This is my Son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. But then we read in chapter 4, right afterwards, that Yeshua was led by the Ruach, the Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, right? And so, um, and that's when the, actually Hasatan, the devil, came to tempt him. When he was, I guess, at his lowest point. And he didn't start his ministry till after that time. Though he, you would think he could have started the ministry after he was immersed. But his father's will came first. And Yeshua led by the Ruach, meaning he wasn't forced. He was led. It was in his spirit. And so I, I just believe that this is even showing to us God first. So how do you make God first a reality in your life? Well, I think you start with the simplest of scriptures, if you'd like to do that, and that's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Almost everybody knows that one. Trust in not an eye with all your heart. Okay, trust him. Lean not on your own understanding. 
Okay, that's clear. In all your ways, acknowledge him, God, yes, and he will make your path straight. He will direct your path. So I believe that God first requires what I call intentional intensity with the Lord. Intentional intensity with the Lord. I honestly don't know how to get you, my radio listeners, from yes, I agree with you, to yes, I am going to do something about this. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. I'm going to try, but I don't know how. I love it when after a message at synagogue, you know, somebody comes up to me and they say, hey, great message. Then I see them next week and it looks like nothing has changed in their life that I had even talked about in that message. Oh, well. If you're spending that intentional, intense time with the Lord, he is going to speak with you. He is, he's going to tell you his heart, what burdens he has put in your heart, and have you been following through with what he is showing you. So if he puts a burden in, in your heart, are you following up with that burden? A week ago, I finished 10 days of prayer and fasting. Before that time, I was praying usually about an hour a day, but during these 10 days, it was different. It became an intentional intensity. My faith level rose, my focus on the Lord rose, my expectations in the Lord rose in so many ways and much more. I feel changed. I, I really feel changed. Does that mean prior to those 10 days, I was a poor, wretched believer? No. But now I'm sensing that I am revived. I have more energy. I am hearing from God more and feel I have greater purpose and more confidence to go after that purpose. Some of you might believe that you will be revived when God touches you. In other words, God has to touch you first, and then you'll be revived. Look, we know that all revival comes from God. However, he doesn't necessarily touch us first. And then we are revived. Oftentimes, in order to make God first, we need to take the first step. We need to make God first in our life, and then he revives us. So... The scriptures that come into my mind quickly about this, because I don't have too much time left, is the seeking scriptures, like Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. God almost always requires our participation in what he is doing. And I don't think it's that different in revival. So let's... Let me just mention some scriptures quickly to you as we've got to close. Second um, Chronicles 7:14, Psalm 105 verse 4, um, James 8, uh, I think it's verse 4, and Psalm 24 of verse 3 through 6, and Psalm 63 1 through 3, Proverbs 8:17. First Chronicles 16:11 all of these Deuteronomy 4:29 Jeremiah 29:13 Psalm 
14.2. All of them talk about seeking the Lord. Some say seek his face uh, and so on, which means his presence in the Hebrew. So I would just say the answer to the question of how should we react in this situation is God first. So let me just say this. Please seek the Lord this week. And even email me. Let me know what God is doing in your life. I'll let you know about me in a few weeks because some things are happening here. Well, let's close. Uh, may the Lord be your first priority. And may you grow in your desire to have a heart like the heart of Messiah. Father, I just pray for revival in the Tampa Bay area. I pray revival in this country. I pray revival, O oh Lord. Pour out your spirit in the name of Yeshua. You are Amen. Messiah, Yeshua Mashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel.